Hey, we're in a, a new series jumping this week called Jesus Talks Money. Uh, we're jumping into this series. We do a money series every year because uh, we believe that money is really important. And in fact, Jesus says money is really important by how much he talks about it. And the reality is Jesus says some things that are pretty different than what we understand to be true of money. And so uh, we think it's important to come back and just remind ourselves periodically of, of what Jesus would would have us to do with the money, because if he really is the Lord of our life and we want to surrender to him, it means that every aspect of our life belongs to him. And so we want to just believe what he has to say about that. So, but before we get into it, though, I want to ask you a question uh, this morning. And the question is this, it's a little, would you rather, would you rather have $2 million or contentment with what you have right now? Say that again. Would, would you want $2 million given to you, cold, hard cash this morning, or would you want contentment with what you already have? That's a tough question, and I bet most of us are probably answering, I'll take both, please, right? <laughs> like, you give me the $2 million, and then I'll feel content afterwards. You see, this question really is interesting because it reveals this kind of paradigm in our mind that we often believe that more is better than enough. If I just had a little bit more, but here's what I want you to consider this morning. If more is better than enough, then more is never really enough. If just a little bit more is enough, then more is never really enough. I, I call contentment kind of the unicorn of our heart, right? Some of you wonder if it even exists. And if it does, nobody's ever really seen it. And if you get a glimpse of it, it runs away, right? Like there's just this craving inside of our heart that just a little bit more. See, because the reality is some of you are like, that $2 million would be exactly $2 million more than I currently have. But I've talked to lots of people who have $2 million and they'd be happy, perhaps even maybe considering being content with two more million dollars than they currently have. But it's just not a reality. See, Jesus is going to come and talk about money in a way that's getting this to sit in our hearts. That the more that we're after is not really what we're after. What our, your heart really wants is this feeling of having enough, of being content. And Jesus is going to give us a pathway to get there. But in doing so, he's got to unpack some lies that we've come to believe about money. In Luke chapter 12, Jesus is addressing um, several lies, and he's going to use a parable to do that. If you don't know what a parable is, a parable um, is a story that Jesus used with the spiritual meaning that we then learn from what Jesus is using out of the story. And he's going to talk about um, one big lie and then three other lies that we begin to believe and how we should reorient and reorientate our mind and how we think about money. And it would lead to all that God has for us, because the reality is greed doesn't just lead you to someplace bad. It, it takes you from someplace good, which is what we're going to talk about today. So Luke chapter 12, go ahead and open with me to Luke chapter 12. We'll sing a song when we do it. Verse 13. I didn't look up, so I don't know who it was. I apologize. Someone in the crowd says, my phone's in my pocket, so I know it wasn't me. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed you, or who appointed me a judge or an arbitrator between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard. Look against, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. 
Now, what's happening here in this is there's this dispute about this inheritance that's gone public enough. Like if you are at the point where you're ready to go find a stranger on the street and ask him to deliberate an argument between you and your brother about money, something's gone wrong. They don't don't really know Jesus. And so Jesus is proving this point that this greed for money has come to the point that he's willing to publicly shame his brother to get what he wants. So there's some really bad motivations in here. And he says very clearly, watch out. Just be on guard against all kinds of greed. And he's going to address the lie that we all can be tempted to believe, which is this, that life, no, let's go back. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. If I was to put a tagline under the American dream, the tagline would be life consists in the abundance of possessions, or at least the quality of life consists in the abundance of possessions. Is that not the dream and narrative we're being sold in marketing? This next possession, the abundance of possessions, will determine your quality of life. You deserve comfort. You deserve ease. See, but the reality is this was a problem in the human heart long before Facebook was listening to your dinner conversation and putting an advertisement on your phone later that night, right? Like, I was talking to my wife the other day. It all happens. Don't, it, I was talking to my wife the other day about upgrading um, the interface in her uh, car because it's really, really hard to work. Never Googled it. Never looked it up. Sure enough, there's a YouTube advertisement on putting a new interface in the car. I was like, this is, this is true, okay? All right. But before that, this was a problem in the human heart. Before the Amazon delivery man came to your house more than your friends did, you're like, I just outed three quarters of the church, all right? <laughs> There's something in us that thinks the abundance of possessions affects the equality of my life. And Jesus is coming to say, no, it doesn't. Your life is far more than the things you acquire. Your life is far more than the things you desire. And he's going to go on to address three really big lies that shape the way we think or at least are tempted to think about money. And the first lie is that this is because I think it's all from me. Because I think the abundance of possessions is a result of me. Let's see what he says here. And he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Now you may uh, just read that and kind of pass by, but what you need to remember is um, the farmer understands very clearly that everything he has, he's not directly responsible for. He, he can't cause the rain to fall. He can't cause the sun to shine. He can't cause that seed to grow. Now, he can do all of the work and the precursor work, but he is at the mercy of God and the weather for his harvest. And so this man would understand, I don't get anything I have without God blessing it. But the problem is most of us aren't farmers. And you have to get over an even bigger hurdle because the amount of hours you put in is directly tied to the paycheck you receive. And so the temptation to begin to believe that I worked for this, therefore I deserve it, because of my blood, sweat, and tears, I have earned this, it can lull us into this belief that really um, the the life I have is because I've worked for it. Now, I'm not denying the fact that you've worked hard. There's lots of people that have worked hard, but you have it because God has decided to bless you with it. See, the interesting thing about gratitude and money and greed is that if you think you deserve something, it's really hard to be grateful for it. Like, if you think that you really deserve what you have, and by and large, most of us would, would probably say we deserve what we have, it's really hard to be grateful for it. But if you were to show me a grateful person, 
you're going to show me a person who thinks they've received more than they deserve. If you want to show me somebody who walks in gratitude, it's because they understand deep down they have more than they actually deserve. And, and that gratitude is huge. See, Jesus is going to flip this lie upside down and say, it's not all from you. In fact, it's all from God. It wasn't because the farmer had a bunch of land. Because you can have a bunch of land that doesn't do anything if God doesn't bless it. But everything we have is a result of God. As James chapter 117 would say, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Every gift, even the ones we've worked for. See, gratitude is really one of those interesting things because if they could turn gratitude into a pill, it would be the number one selling pill in the world. They literally did a study uh, over the course of 15 years examining people who were grateful and people who didn't practice gratitude. And it was crazy. Um, not just happened, what happened psychologically. They were happier. They, they helped fight off even suicidal thoughts. They fought off depression. Their overall quality of life was way higher. But it literally affected their physical beings. What, what they discovered uh, in this study was really fascinating that over the course of this time, those who practice gratitude for a period of 10 weeks or more and they didn't even practice it every day, but what they would do is one of the, the groups would basically write a letter of gratitude towards somebody else, a gratitude letter. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you for what you've done, whatever. Or they would write in a gratitude journal, which we've talked about here before. After 10 weeks, here's what they found to be true. They slept better, had clearer skin, lower blood pressure, less congestion, less stomach aches, nausea, headaches, and body aches. There, even in the course of the study, there were some people who had some heart attacks, and they found that those that were grateful recovered far more quickly from the heart attacks than those who weren't. And, and the study showed that um, significantly, if you only practiced it for two or three weeks, there was no difference between you and the ungrateful group. Okay, unless they studied a bunch of seven-year-olds who just hang out in the toy room, like there's something here. And not one of us is going to look at this list and go, no, I don't want any of that, right? Like we spend a bunch of money to get better sleep, a bunch of money to get clearer skin, right? There, we put so much effort into that. And what the Bible is saying is it's, it's nothing you have to buy. It's a position of your heart you need to sit in. It's a place of gratitude that says, thank you. I didn't deserve this. Um, before I came on full-time with uh, Bridgewater, I was working for a, a gym up in Vestal as a trainer. And the, the, the employers that I worked for, um, I love them dearly, but they kind of drove me nuts a little bit because they were so positive. Have right? you ever met some of those people that you're just like, the, the, does the rain not fall on your lawn? Like, I just don't understand what's going on. But as I got to know them, I realized that that wasn't who they naturally were. They worked at it. Every time an adversity hit them, I could see their brain spinning going, no, 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 here's, I'm going to choose to be grateful for this situation. Like, this hard thing happened, I'm going to choose gratitude. And after working with them for a couple of years, it became contagious. No, okay, the, the bad thing did happen, but I'm going to choose gratitude. And I'll tell you what, they were, they're a blast to be around. They're living a great life, and they would attribute it to gratitude. So my, my challenge for us this week is, is, you know, some of us are more naturally bent that way. Some of us aren't necessarily um, bent towards gratitude, but it's a practice you can put in your life, and we want to help you uh, do that. So go ahead, and if you have your phones with you, go ahead and take your phones out. And I want you to text this number here. It's our church number. I promise we won't bombard you with anything else. Go ahead and text the word thankful to 570-278-2352. It's the church number. And what's going to happen is you're going to get a text message, just one text message for the week. 
And it's going to uh, send you a reminder to do one of two things. To either send a gratitude letter to somebody. So maybe you get a, a box of thank you cards and go ahead and write a thank you card to somebody you know or somebody you're grateful for. Um, your mother would be a good start to go ahead and write one to her. All right, just a little free, free one there, okay? Um, or to write in your gratitude journal. And so this is going to be a text for the next 10 weeks. Uh, and I would put this to the test. Give it an honest effort at gratitude. And if your life is worse for being grateful, go back to griping. That's fine, okay? Not really. You'd be bummed. But, but put it to the test. Does it actually change what's going on in your, in your heart? Go ahead and text that number. If you miss it, um, it is the church phone number, so you can go ahead and text it later. Here's the second lie that we can tend to believe about money. Because I think it's all for me. Not only do I think it's all from me and as a result of my hard work and my sweat and I deserve this and nobody gave me a leg up, I got here on my own, but we also think it's then for us. You see, that entitlement begins to shift. Let's see how this is true for the man. Verse 17, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I will store my surplus grain, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Do you notice something in that? I made it red, so I hope you notice it. All the personal pronouns in there, he thought to himself, what I do, I have no place to store my crops. This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. There I'll store my surplus. And I'll, like he's the Grinch. He's talking to himself up there in Whoville. I'll say to myself, right? You can't keep skipping dinner on yourself, okay? There's just this self-centered narcissism around this guy because he's looked at all he's done and he's looking back, I did so good for myself. I just did awesome. This belongs to me. See, the interesting thing is gratitude and entitlement really can't hang out in the same boat. They really can't because you're just going to think that you did it all for you. See, Jesus is going to turn this upside down and say, it's not all for you, it's for others too. The generosity we've been given is not for us, but it's for others. See, we set ourselves up when we think it's for us that really everything else kind of fits into that box of what's good for me. Where Jesus is going to say, no, 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 you've been blessed to be a blessing to others. See, when we're blessing to others, it, it's fun, isn't it? It's a joy, isn't it? You, you get to look at these barns and say, how could God use this? What I want you to see about this text, though, is that he has a plan. He's not content yet. You realize that? He has a plan to be content, but he's not there yet. And the reality is we all have a plan to be content. When I just get there then, when I just make X amount then, when I just then, what is that? That's a plan to be content, but it's not contentment. Don't confuse the two. It's like the unicorn, because every time you get there, what? The bar moves. Every time you get there, the bar moves. And so the antidote to that is not save more, invest more. The antidote to that is live in a generous, grateful spirit, which is what I said in that email, if you didn't get the email that I sent out this last week for Thanksgiving, I genuinely meant every word of that, that I'm so grateful for the generosity of Bridgewater Halstead. I'm so grateful for how much you guys get behind loving on people and being generous, things like the mashed potatoes and Halloween and supporting Jake. Like it, it's such a joy for me to serve 
uh, alongside a group of people who are committed to the mission and are invested in the kingdom. Like, it, that's so fun for me. I talk with pastors across the state and, and really all across the nation who um, I'm hearing what they're having to deal with, and I go, man, I'm, I don't want to say it out loud because I don't want you to feel bad, but I feel really blessed like, uh, just to work alongside a group of people committed to the mission. So I just want to say thanks. Thanks for believing in this. Thanks for this being true of your life, that, that you're just an incredibly generous church. Um, yeah, it's just it's a joy for me. My mother-in-law is here this morning. I didn't know she was going to be here, so she gets to be a sermon illustration real quick. Um, sorry, sorry, Beppa. But um, um, walking through my mother-in-law's house, there's a sign on her wall, and it says this. is a gratitude turns what I have into enough. Gratitude turns what I have into enough. And th- this sign has always struck me as I walk through. I didn't really think about it the first time, but as I began to walk through the house and just continuing to look at it, I thought, isn't it interesting Gratitude literally has the power to change not what's in our hands, but how we view what's in our hands. It literally has the power to to say, man, what what God has given me is truly enough. What's in my hands is more than I deserve. And greed and entitlement go hand in hand. And it's a dangerous road, not because of necessarily where it leads us, so it leads us to, to difficult places, but what it robs from us. Uh, the other week, oh, I guess this was two months ago now. I keep doing that the other week. Like, something about having a kids, everything was the other week now. It was last year, okay? No, this is okay. It was two months ago. Anybody relate to that though? You know what I'm talking about? All right, all right. I don't feel as bad. Um, this is about, probably about two months ago. I was at a church function and somebody came up to me and um, they shook my hand and they did one of those whole, like, let me shake your hand and give you money and the same thing and, and smirk at you. And I looked down and you, you didn't have to do that. And I said, no, it was my blessing uh, to do that for you. It was just, yeah, it was just a joy to do that for you. I said, oh, cool, Th- thanks. I really appreciated that. And uh, my, my mind just began to think, oh, oh, cool, I can kind of pay this bill with it. Or, you know, my brain just kind of went a bunch of different directions, what I could do with it. And uh, probably two hours later, I come back in the church building, and God just really, really clearly struck in my heart that uh, there was somebody I saw who I was supposed to give that money to. And I thought, ah, but it was their gift to me. <laughs> And now I have to give it away. And like that statement just struck me in my heart. It was their gift to me, which means I didn't earn it. I didn't deserve it. I wasn't entitled to it. And yet in that brief two-hour window, my heart began to think I deserved it. My heart began to think I earned it. And I don't say this to pat myself on the back. I, I tell you this story to show how quickly our heart can move from one of undeserved gratitude to one of entitlement so quickly. Now, I repented and uh, joyfully gave the money over, and the person lit up like a Christmas tree, and it was, it was awesome. But how quick did that happen? The gift became what I thought I was entitled to, and how much more true would that be of our paychecks, of the things we have worked for? And the invitation of Jesus is hold on to something better than money. Hold on to the provision of God and, and handle it wisely, but hold on to peace that, that God's bigger than what's in your hands. Here's the last lie that, that Jesus is going to confront here, and it's this. Because I think I have more time. Money has a way of convincing us that we think we have more time. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? Do you catch that? He's not being reprimanded for being wise. He's not being reprimanded for saving. And in fact, the book of Proverbs would encourage saving, would encourage handling your money wise, would encourage um, taking care for meager years 
right? This is the whole story of Joseph. The problem is he's built these things for himself. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich towards God. But is not rich towards God. He's talking about the fact, and here's the reality. God doesn't need your money, right? God doesn't need your dollar bills. He doesn't need the U.S. dollar. He doesn't need any of that. So when he asks us to be generous, it's not because he ran out of his budget line item and needed you to fill in, because he wants you free from something else. He wants you free from this idea that the abundance of possessions will, will kind of work as a mask to your real spiritual problem. That we can hide behind success. We can hide behind position. We can hide behind all of those things, and it will uh, mask the reality that we have a spiritual need for a spiritual savior. And so he's saying, don't, don't think that you get to stand before God with all of your goodies and, and buy more time. And see, we know that to be true. But the reality is more money won't buy me more time. And, and that's true. But does that reflect how we live our life? Does that reflect how I engage with work? Does that affect with how I engage with generosity? I want to put these three points up here that we've talked about, how Jesus kind of corrected these points. What if, really and truly, we, we sat, and maybe you are to do, and this is just a reminder for you, that everything you have is from God. See, I didn't, I didn't earn my intelligence. It was a gift. Okay? Some of you would argue I should have gotten a gift receipt with that one, but it was a gift. Okay? I didn't earn my physical health. That was a gift. I didn't earn the fact that I was born in America with all of these opportunities in front of me and not an impoverished country. It was a gift. So that gratitude begins to take deep root, and that then makes me realize that if I have enough, if, if God really has given me enough, I'm open-handed. If I don't think I have enough, it's very difficult to be open-handed. And more money won't buy me more time. The reality is we will all one day stand before God and the things we have spent our life for won't be there to defend us. What will be there is how we walked with the Lord, how we honored his word, what Jesus has done for us, and how we treated others. See, I asked myself a couple questions, and if you have a pen and paper or notes on your phone, go ahead and write these down. I encourage you to think about them, and if there's two other questions for you that would work better, that's fine. Whenever I'm... Whenever I'm tempted or interested in purchasing something and I want something, right? And there's, trust me, there's a list in my head. I'm human too, okay? I ask myself these two questions. The first question is this. Will this add any value to my soul? Now, obviously, the answer to that question is no, it won't. But here's why I ask this question. It helps me uh, unpack and reveal perhaps why I want this thing. Am I feeling insecure about something? And this new thing may help hide some of that insecurity, Okay, well, I think that thing's going to add some value to my soul, but it, it won't. It'll end up on a shelf collecting dust or at the thrift store. Or, or maybe, you know, like there's a bunch of ways your heart could go. Maybe um, you're feeling lonely, and that new thing might solve that. Well, it, it, it won't. And so uh, if the answer to my question is no, all right, I, I'm not coming to this thing because I don't, I'm not looking for it to add any value to my soul, then sure, let's go on to the next step. There's, there's no problem here. Um, yeah, I just think it'd be a blast to have and it'd be fun and it fits within my budget. The next question is this, is what, what am I potentially giving up to get this? What am I potentially giving up to get this? Because what I said in the beginning is it's not so much about um, the bad places greed may, may lead us because, listen, money can buy you a lot of fun stuff, but what do you lose in the process? 
So, so for me, this question runs through my head. If I wanted that thing, what extra work do I have to do to get to afford that? And in, in doing that, would I lose quality time with my wife? I love that lady. I, I love my son. Would I really want to sacrifice that for that? <sighs> it's a no-brainer for me so many times. I mean, things I've walked away from because I realized I would have to give up so much to get there. Maybe it's the next position. Maybe this isn't a money thing for you. Maybe it's the next position. What would you have to give up to, to get that? Right? And so um, find, find some, some questions for yourself. These are just one helpful ones for me um, that have stopped me from buying a lot of things that wouldn't have done anything for me. Um, here's why we're having this conversation. There's so much in this world that is trying to attack the peace and joy in your life. Gratitude and thanksgiving are some of the greatest guards to your joy and peace. They really are. They will be a guardian to your heart to say, you know what? I have more than enough. I don't need to look with envy on that individual. I have more than enough. God has always provided. I don't need. And that, that's freedom. That's joyful living that God wants to give to us when we surrender what we think to be best with money to what the creator of the world has determined is best to do with our money. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we come before you and we are so grateful for so much, God. Not, not to make light of anything you've done, God. We are so grateful for Jesus and the way of salvation that he has provided. We are so grateful for family as the season helps us remember that. Grateful for church and the community we have here and the freedom we have to worship without fear as um, Jake was sharing and so many other brothers and sisters around the world. It's not that easy. God, we are ridiculously blessed, and we just want to say thank you. I pray that our hearts would be guarded in this season against um, anything that would detract us from gratitude, anything that would detract us from uh, walking in joy with what you have so graciously given to us. I pray that as a church, we would continue to model that, that attitude of thanksgiving and gratitude, not just here within these walls, but in our homes and in our workplaces, um, that we would just be over the top, grateful people, and that it would not only benefit us, but it would bring glory to your name as we rejoice in how good you are. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.